This is week two of a series that I launched into last weekend called Rhythms. And there is a rhythm that God has for each and every one of our lives. How many of you are thankful that God can step into a moment and a time and a space and he can do something supernatural in an instant? Amen. I thank God for that. I mean, you go in through the scriptures and we could do a whole series just on the suddenly moments of God. Those, those divine interventions, those <clears throat> holy moments where God just steps in and does something supernatural, miraculous. I'm thinking about Elijah with, with the fire falling from heaven. <clears throat> those moments where Moses sees God part the Red Sea. Those moments where Jesus interrupts a funeral and raises the child back to life in the town of Nain. Over and over and over again, there's stories of God's supernatural, instantaneous interference in our day-to-day lives. And I thank God for those moments. But I want you to understand that God never intended for you to live your life surviving from one occasional moment of divine intervention to the next. That was not God's pattern. Listen, I thank God that he's a God of miracles, but I don't want a miracle every day. Let me rephrase that. I don't want to need a miracle every day. Okay, I thought we might all agree on that. I mean, he can do miracles, but I would like to just have some, you know, some straight, not the highs and the lows, just some, just some normal days. Just, just give me some normal. How many think normalcy would be really good in 2021? Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Amen. Yeah, let's give a rousing cheer for just normalcy. You know, no murder hornets. You know, no, no riots. You know. No, nothing apocalyptic, just, just normal. <clears throat> God wants us to have an abiding relationship with him. Thank God for what he can do in those moments of, of collision with his presence. But listen, Jesus didn't come so that you could collide with his presence. He came so that you could abide with his presence. He said, I'm with you always. In fact, the King James Version says, lo, I'm with you always. Last Monday, I was doing some ice climbing at Ricketts Glen, and that was the verse going through my head, you know, while I was hanging for my life, you know, about 45 feet in the air. I thought, lo, I'm with you always. I thought, Lord, be with me up on the top of the mountain. (coughs) But I want to encourage you today in some rhythms in your life, some rhythms in our lives that God has for us. And, And let me just quickly touch on something we launched into last weekend, especially if you're a member of this church, if this is your house and and you missed last Sunday, I want to encourage you to go back and listen to that sermon. Don't do it now. Stay with us now. But go back and listen to that sermon because last week I talked about the rhythm of fasting. And this is such an important spiritual discipline. And so uh, we're calling the church into a season of a Daniel fast. Now, the Daniel fast is found in the book of Daniel, the first chapter, uh, the third, <coughs> sixth chapter, the ninth chapter, the tenth chapter. We get a, a cohesive picture of what a Daniel fast is. It's not a total food fast, it's a partial food fast. We select certain foods and then we abstain from other foods. And, and so, if you need information about the Daniel fast, we've got packets of information out in the info center. <coughs> you can go on the church website. Wrightsvillechurch.com. There's a tab on the home screen. It says Daniel Fast. You can get all the information. And I want to invite you into that rhythm. But it's not something that we're doing. <coughs> we're not doing it today. We're starting it next week. I preached about it last week. I'm saying it today because now's the time that we start to, to move into that. We start to prepare. 
How many of you know it would be a, a, a bad idea to just, you know, go to a, an all-you-can-eat smorgasbord on Saturday night and then just get up on Sunday morning and decide you're going to start a fast? <clears throat> Anybody uh, remember what it was like when you learned how to drive stick shift? Maybe in high school? And, uh, and they said, now let off the clutch easy, and you let off, and you put the accelerator down, and that's not what happened at all, right? You, you let that clutch out, and the whole car just jerked and popped like that. <clears throat> well, let me tell you, I know this about me. If I wait until Saturday night to start limiting my caffeine intake, I'll be coming up here next Sunday. It's going to look like I'm popping a clutch, because I'll, I'll be twitching. I'll, so this is the week of preparation. This is the time where we start to cut out some of the caffeine. We start to limit the sugars. And, and by next Sunday, you want to have all those things out of your diet so that you can transition in to a good fast. <clears throat> That's what a fast is all about. It's about finding a rhythm. It's about pursuing vertical solutions to horizontal problems. And so we're going to move into a season of seeking God with all of our hearts. And here's what I believe is going to happen. I believe that in this season, this 21-day time, God is going to begin to reveal some new things to you. God's going to show you some things about his plans and his purpose for your life that you didn't know about before. I believe God's going to give new insight and new direction. Here's my prayer, that there's things that we've prayed about for a long, long time and not seen results. But just like Daniel saw in chapter 10, on the 21st day, the breakthrough came. And I believe breakthrough can come in your personal life. I believe breakthrough can come in our nation. I believe breakthrough can come when we persist towards God's presence. And maybe more than anything else, here's what God wants to do in this season. God wants to draw you closer to his heart. And I want to encourage you that your appetite can help you with that. <clears throat> now, I know a lot of people, you know, you've tried diets before. Let me just say what I said last week. A Daniel fast is not a diet. A lot of people have tried to diet, and it didn't work because their appetite worked against them. But Solomon said in Proverbs, a man's appetite helps him. An appetite works for you. <clears throat> what, what did he mean by that? Well, if you're lazy and you get hungry enough, you might get up and work. <laughs> so your appetite can work for you in that when you start to crave things that you've said, you know what, I'm going to set these things aside in this season so that I can focus on seeking the Lord. And then, oh, man, you, somebody walks by with a good cup of dark roast, and you're like, oh, man, I could go for some coffee right now. I'm going to use that craving, and I'm going to turn it towards the Lord. I'm going to say, God, thank you for your faithfulness in my life. Thank you for giving me strength. Thank you for giving me energy. Thank you for sustaining me. And I'm going to turn that physical desire into spiritual pursuit. God wants your heart. Hear that today. God wants your heart. He wants to draw close to you. <clears throat> it's his desire for your life. And so I, I want to talk about some other rhythms besides fasting today. And, and again, I said it earlier, I, I'm so glad to have the ladies from New Life for Girls here because they're a testimony of exactly what we're talking about. They're a testimony of setting a new rhythm. See, I, I, I'm confident that none of them just woke up one morning and decided, you know what, I think I'd like to improve my life. I think I'll uproot my whole life. I'll move out of my house. I'll, I'll leave my family. I'll leave my friends. I'll go enroll myself in a program that's going to be hard. I'll enroll myself in a program that's going to be disciplined. I'll let other people tell me what time to get up and what time to go to bed, even though I'm a full-grown woman. How many of you know that probably wasn't plan A? 
Probably like your life, it started with a personal decision. I'm going to change, but change didn't come. I'm going to do this different, but different didn't come. And after a while, they each got to a place where they said, I've got to get into a new rhythm. And here's the equation. Mark Batterson shared this years ago, and here's the equation. It's a change of place plus a change of pace equals a change of perspective. And that's what God's doing in their lives. They're at a different place, and now they're living at a different pace, and now they have a different perspective on life. And I want to promise you, if your perspective is fixed on Jesus, he can change everything in your life. And I, Amen. And I believe that's what God wants to do for some of you. He wants to give you a new season and a new cadence and a new rhythm for hearing his voice and obeying his voice. Even right now, Kyle Lehman, who was in the 10 a.m. service, he's on his way up to the Bajorno Conference Center to pick up about a dozen of our elementary school age kids and some of our kids' church workers because they've been away at kids' breakaway this weekend. And we send them away to those weekends because we believe this is true, that if we'll get into a different place and we'll move at a different pace, God can give fresh revelation and a new perspective. And I want to promise you, those kids are having an encounter with God because they showed up on Friday night and they had a church service. And they didn't just go to have a spiritual experience. When they stepped onto that campus, they stepped out of the tug of this world. They put down their electronic devices. They stepped away from their worldly influences. They stepped away from YouTube and, and gaming and, and all of that stuff. And they stepped onto a campus that's been consecrated and devoted for the purposes of God. And they had church on Friday night. And then they had a lot of fun. And then they got up Saturday morning and they had church again. And then they had more fun. And then they had church Saturday night. And then they had more fun and less sleep. And I can promise you they're having church right now. God is moving in the hearts and lives of our kids. <clears throat> Why? Because we understand that if I can change my rhythm, if, if I can shift my life and clear out the clutter, God can break through. And God can speak to me in a new way. That's why we're doing this men's conference next month. We want to encourage you guys to be a part of it because we want to do something that's out of step with our typical routine. And I believe God's going to show up in a mighty way and he's going to do something at that mentor weekend. Let me talk to you just for a moment about uh, the, the rhythm that God wants to set in your life. The first rhythm is a weekly rhythm. God has established a weekly rhythm in Exodus chapter 20, verse 8. It says this, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male nor female servants, <clears throat> nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. <clears throat> For six days, the Lord, it says, in six days he made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. How many of you know that's one of the Ten Commandments right there in Exodus chapter 20? The first three commandments, they deal with our relationship with God. How do we have a right relationship with God? The first three. The last six deal with how we have a right relationship with mankind, with other people. But right there in the middle is this command to rest. Now, I don't know about you, but here's what I've discovered in my life. If I don't obey that command in the middle, I don't have the stamina for the relationships on either side. 
You ever been just frustrated, just been tired, been exhausted from a long day, and then you, you, you blew it when you got home? You, you messed up a relationship with your spouse or, or with a friend or with your kids. You took it out on them. It had nothing to do with them. You were angry. You were tired. You were exhausted. Or maybe you've been in a situation where you, you, were, just, you were just exhausted and, and you blew your witness. <clears throat> you said the wrong thing at the wrong time. And somebody that has been watching your life and maybe even being drawn in for the gospel's sake, all of a sudden, you, when you said it, you knew it, you blew it. Why? Because you allowed yourself to get worn down and weak. And there's a rhythm that he wants to invite us into. And it's a rhythm of rest and worship. Here's what Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31 says. Many of you could quote this verse. You probably got a you probably got a picture on your wall in your house with this verse on it. You probably got a refrigerator magnet with this verse on it. It's a great verse. Look at it with me. It says, But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. When it says those who hope in the Lord, what it really means right there is those who are putting their trust in God. And when you're trusting in God, you're not trusting in your own ability. You're not trusting in your own work. You're trusting in the grace of God, what he's done on your behalf. And so when you trust in God, you don't have to grow weary because it's not about what you can do. It's about what he's accomplished on your behalf. But here's, here's the power of trusting in God and making it a rhythm for your life. It's not just that you can soar like eagles or run and not grow weary, or walk and not faint. What it actually is saying is that when you trust in God, you can discern the tempo and the pace and the rhythm that the Spirit of God is moving in your life so that you know when it's time to mount up on wings like eagles. You'll know when it's time to run and not grow weary. You'll know when it's time to walk and not faint. And, and I gotta be honest, I've seen a lot in, in the last year. It seems like many in the kingdom of God have been restless and striving, and we're trying to catch wind. We're trying to soar. We're trying to take off, and we're flapping and flapping like a bunch of turkeys. <laughs> and it doesn't look like soaring. And, and what I'm sensing is the Lord has just been saying, would you just walk and not faint? Just, just walk with me. Things might not be moving as fast as you want them to move, but they're moving. <clears throat> the kingdom of God is advancing. Just walk with me. And if you'll trust in the Lord in your life, whatever season you're in, whatever you're dealing with right now, the Holy Spirit will begin to help you to understand when it's time to, to stretch out your wings and to really soar. And when it's time to just walk and not faint. And the Lord will even teach you. The good shepherd will show you when he wants to lead you beside the still waters and when he wants to make you to lie down in the green pastures. But you got to find the rhythm. It's kind, of like, it's kind of like a soldier who enlists in the military. You know, one of the first things they teach soldiers how to do? March. March. I, I mean... It seems kind of insignificant considering, you know, that these are the people that are protecting and defending the nations of the world. But they take these full-grown men and women and they say, left, 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 right, left. And what do they do? They're just teaching them 
how to stay in step. They're teaching them how to keep in cadence. And, and, and it might not seem like much, but they've figured something out. They've figured out if you can't keep in step in the parade, you are going to be out of rhythm when the bullets start flying. And can I tell you that there's a lot of people in the kingdom of God who are not in step with the parade. Can I tell you, church, on a Sunday morning, this ain't the battlefield. This is the parade. I mean, if you can't serve Jesus right here, right now, while I'm preaching the gospel, good luck, buddy. You ain't got a prayer come Monday morning, right? I mean, we ought to all be able to just be a little bit more sanctified in the one hour. You know, hey, you didn't, you didn't blow it in the last 35 minutes, right? I mean, you, you're living for God at least as long as you're sitting on that padded chair. Because we, we feel the rhythm of what the Spirit of God is doing. When this choir began to sing and declare, raise a hallelujah. I mean, come on, all of us feel a little bit more sanctified in that moment, right? We all go, man, yes, I'm going to raise a hallelujah. In the middle of the mystery. Well, I don't know about that, but in the middle of the church service, hey, I raise a hallelujah. <laughs> but it's a rhythm weekly that God has for our lives. Hebrews chapter 10 says this. Verse 24, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Pay attention to verse 25. It says, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Listen, I know a lot of people Work swing shift in American culture. I mean, unless you work for Chick-fil-A, there's not much respect for the Sabbath. And so I know a lot of people have to work weekends. A lot of people have to work swing shift. And I'm not dogging anybody for that. I'm not knocking anybody. What I'm talking about is having a rhythm of seeking the Lord. You need to have a time of rest. I need to have a time of rest. I don't know if you noticed, but I'm working pretty hard right now. It's, it's the Lord's day, but i got to find Sabbath in my life, and I can promise you it's not from 8.30 to 12.30 on a Sunday morning. But you have to have a Sabbath. I, I was thinking about a, a young married couple in this church. They've been attending here very faithfully for months now, Keith and Genesis. They're here every week. Uh, they... They got an invitation put in Keith's hand by Pastor Chris when we were walking around this neighborhood last fall. We were passing out flyers that said, we're making room for you. We're adding a third service. And he put that flyer in Keith's hand. <clears throat> and lo and behold, they came and they visited the church and they've been coming and they've been growing in their faith because they're here and they're a part of this body. But most of you don't know who I'm talking about. And the reason you don't know who I'm talking about is because they have to work on Sundays. But you know what they've done? They started showing up on Wednesday night. And I tell you, it's a rare Wednesday night prayer gathering that we don't see them sitting right over here, worshiping and seeking the Lord and growing in their faith. Now, some of y'all don't even know we met on Wednesday night. Some of you have never been to a Wednesday night prayer. I even thought about putting in the bulletin one, one month, just special guest speaker, Wednesday night, 7 p.m., the Apostle Paul, just to see if anybody would change their rhythm and show up for a prayer gathering on Wednesday night, I doubt it. But I just wanted to see. But, you know, I think about that young couple. And the fact is, they can't be here with us right now. But they understand that it's innate in, in the body of Christ from the very beginning, Acts chapter 2, until today. We are a gathering people. 
And it's a rhythm that God has for our lives. Now, last year was crazy. With, with COVID-19 and this pandemic and mandatory shutdowns, what's even crazier than that season of our lives, I recognize there are people in our church family right now that are literally still living in quarantine because of compromised immune systems, because of concerns with health risk. They still haven't gone anywhere. And my heart breaks for them. If you're watching online, uh, we're praying for you. We haven't forgotten you. We love you. And I recognize that everybody's kind of dealing with this in a different way. But I also recognize something else is true. We got a lot of folks in the kingdom of God, even in this church family. You haven't been to church in about a year. And you're already doing everything you used to do before the quarantine except church. Schools are open, going back to Target, going back to work going shopping, doing all these things, but not in the house of God. Why? What happened? I'll tell you what happened. The writer of Hebrews says exactly what happens. He says, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing it. What happened? You formed a rhythm. Maybe you were forced into it. I mean, you, we, we shut the door. You can blame me if you want to, but the rest of the world shut their doors too. And what happened is you formed a new habit. And here's what I believe the Lord wants to do. He wants to set a new rhythm for your life. He wants to set a new rhythm today. <clears throat> I'm going to challenge you. If that's you, recognize it for what it is. Stop making excuses. Make up your mind today. So, you know, I'm going to be back in the house of God next week. we got plenty of room to social distance. You, you can wear a mask if you want to. You can wear a hazmat suit if you want to. Get to church. Come on, this place is much safer to be than Target or Walmart or anywhere else you could go. We need to gather in the house of God. Why? Because it's a rhythm that God has set for our lives. And that's why the admonition is you should consider how you can spur one another on to love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But you know what? It's not just a weekly routine. It's a daily routine. How many of you know that it's not healthy to just eat one meal a week? A lot of people are trying to survive spiritually that way. Got a bunch of anorexic Christians walking around here. They're weak and they're frail. and It's like you know the great brass ring of faith to just make it through Friday without cussing somebody out. You go, man, I'm having a hard time. Sunday's great, but I'm having a hard time living for Jesus on Friday because you're only eating one spiritual meal a week. Can I challenge this rhythm of your daily life? What do you do every day to start your morning? How do you begin your day? I love this quote from Aristotle. He said, well begun is half done. In other words, if you start right, man, you're halfway there. How many of you know when you're trying to do anything, usually the hardest step is the first step? So well begun is half done. You need a good rhythm. There's a rhythm in church history. It dates all the way back to the year A.D. 516, from a book called The Rule of St. Benedict. The rhythm is called the daily office. St. Benedict had a daily office. His rule was that he had eight prayer periods during the day. Maybe you've heard of some of them in, in, uh, in church history, like midnight vigils. He had eight times that he prayed, but he got that idea Way earlier than A.D. 516, he got it from King David in the Old Testament. 
David said in Psalm chapter 119, verse 164, he said, seven days, seven times a day, I praise you for your righteous laws. Seven times a day, he said. That, it was the rhythm of his life. <clears throat> it's so easy for us. I mean, you could literally set an alarm to go off at certain times a day. When your phone beeps, you just look at it like you always do, except the alarm says, pray. You set a rhythm. He had a rhythm. In Psalm 57, verse 8, David said, Awake, my soul. Awake, harp and lyre. I will awaken the dawn. Not, not I'm going to wait to be stirred. He said, I will awaken the dawn. In other words, there was intentionality about his day. According to rabbinic traditions, David actually hung his harp over his bed every night by an open window. And that harp functioned as an alarm clock. When the north winds would blow into his room, he would hear the wind blowing the strings, and it would wake him up. And he would begin to study the Torah, the law of God, until sunrise. Get that picture in your mind and think about what David said. Awake, harp and lyre. I will awaken the dawn. There's an intentionality that says, I'm, I'm going to begin the day right. I'm going to begin right. For me, it, it's just, it's so simple. I, I have an alarm. I don't have a harp over my bed, but I do have an iPhone that sits next to it. And every morning when my alarm goes off, at least right now, the song that plays is, is a Bethel song that just says, be lifted high. Be lifted high. For your glory, be lifted high. I mean, as soon as the song starts, the words come out. And so literally, the first thing I hear every morning, and trust me, I sleep good. I don't hear much. But the first thing I do hear is a prayer, be lifted high. Be lifted high, God. And listen, I, I don't wake up and roll out of bed shouting hallelujah or speaking in tongues every morning. I can promise you that. But there's an intentionality to starting my day right. And I want to challenge you to, to find a rhythm. <clears throat> find a rhythm. See, the key is a day starting right. The key to a day starting right is actually not starting the day right. It's starting the previous night right. See, I, I, didn't, I didn't get up this morning and have a conversation with my family about, like, should we, should we go to church today? How are you feeling? Ah, how's the weather? No. We set the clothes out on Saturday night. We iron the clothes. We get ready. We, we, we prepare for tomorrow. It's the same way with school, by the way, in our house. We say, you know what? Let's get ready tonight for what tomorrow morning is going to look like. See, there's a, a genius to the Jewish clock. Because if you look at the Jewish calendar, the day doesn't actually start with the dawn. It starts at dusk. Go back and read Genesis 1. Notice the pattern. It says, and there was evening and there was morning, day one. There was evening and there was morning, day two. There was evening and then there was morning. So there, there's a Sabbath. Sabbath is not saying I've run myself ragged and so now I'm going to collapse and hope that I can rest. No, Sabbath begins in resting. And so we begin our day the night before and we say God is going before me. God's preparing a way. God's ordering my steps. I'm going to go ahead and take a little rest and rise in the morning with purpose. Let me just say a couple more things about rhythms, and, and I want to get a little bit personal. Let me just get in your kitchen for a minute because I love you and because I want God's best for your life. We need weekly rhythms. We need daily rhythms. But let me just talk for a moment about 
financial rhythms. You say, wow, that's kind of left field. I thought you were going to go to the hour or the minute, you know. Let me tell you why I want to speak about that. There's 500 verses in the Bible about prayer and living by faith. But did you know there are 2,500 verses about money and about how we handle our possessions? 40% of Jesus' parables dealt with money. The book of Philippians that Paul wrote is literally a thank you letter for financial support. Teaches a lot about money. The book of Proverbs is a, a financial and business management masterclass. Just read the book of Proverbs. So it would be impossible for me or any preacher to teach the full counsel of God's word and not talk about money. I just had to say that for all the folks that don't like preachers talking about money, there's just too much in the book. We can't cut it out. But here's the real reason I want you to grab a hold of this concept of a rhythm with your finances. Because if I was going to ask a question right now, and you had to be honest, and the question was, what is the number one stress-inducing thing in your life? The majority of people would say money. Some of you might say my job, which you have to have because you need money. (laughs) If you look across the landscape of America, the statistics show that the leading cause of divorce in America is finances, money problems. So here's what I don't want to happen. I wouldn't want you or me or any of us to say, you know what, God, I'm going to step into a new rhythm. I'm going to commit to being in the church. I'm going to be a part, an active participant in what God is doing. God, I'm going to set a new rhythm and I'm going to daily seek you. I'm going to begin to open my Bible. I'm going to be a self-feeding Christian, and I'm going to open the Word, and I'm going to spend time with you. Or maybe you even go farther, and you say, God, I'm going to do this Daniel fast. I'm going to spend 21 days sacrificing my fleshly desires so that I can accelerate my spiritual desires. All the while, the biggest vice in your life is visa. I wouldn't want you to go through all of this and think, you know, I'm going to just kind of do these spiritual rhythms and and expect God to bless my life. See, we sang it earlier. We declared it. Who the sun sets free is free indeed. But Proverbs declare the borrower is slave to the lender. So the reality for a lot of people in the body of Christ is you have been set free from your sins, but you've allowed yourself to be shackled by your spending. This is me still loving you right now. And I want want to land here on a very practical level. Because Jesus said this. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So all the other things aside, all the other spiritual calisthenics or disciplines, whatever you want where your treasures. You know what he was saying in in layman's terms? He was saying, you want to know what matters most? Follow the money. Follow the money. It'll show the priorities of your life. Your money represents the time that you invest on the job. Your money represents your gifts and your abilities, which might have got you that job. Your money represents every area of your life. And Jesus said, where you spend your money reveals where your treasure is. And so one of the rhythms that I want to challenge you into, maybe you're already doing this, maybe you need to take a a couple more steps in this direction, but 
The Bible speaks about a rhythm of generosity. The word in scripture is tithe. Tithe is a financial term. It's an accounting term. It's not a doctrinal term. Tithe means 10%. And so for someone to say, I think I'm going to start tithing. How much should I tithe? You can't ask how much should I tithe. Tithe means 10%. Now, if you say, I, I want to give an offering, a free will offering, I want to give, well, that's a different conversation. But, but the, the principle of the tithe is saying, I'm going to put God first. The tithe is the first fruits. It's the first harvest. So whatever your professional field is, come Friday when you harvest a paycheck, the first fruits are the first 10% of that harvest. Now, I'm not saying that because I just really want you all to, to pay tithe. I'm actually saying it because there's a rhythm that I think we often miss in the body of Christ. And here's the rhythm. We can mistakenly think that because the tithe is in the Bible and I heard the preacher talk about tithe and God wants 10%, we can mistakenly believe that God only cares about the first 10%. But Psalm 24 says that God made it all and it's all His. It's all from Him. That means He has a purpose for everything that He made because He doesn't, <clears throat> He's not wasting His time. And so as much as God cares about what happens with the first 10%, God cares about the other 90. Listen, tithing has never been about giving God 10% of your money. Tithing is about giving God 100% of your heart. And there's some people that have been frustrated, and maybe you've even tried tithing. You know, like, you know what? Let's give it a whirl. Let's give it a go. And so you you figured out 10% of your income, and and you gave to the church, and maybe you did it consistently for a few weeks, maybe a couple months, and you look at your finances, you're going, I don't know what he was talking about opening the windows of heaven and pouring out blessing because I just feel like I'm making you know 10% less money, and it's not working out. And here's what I see happen with a lot of believers. They give God the first 10%, but they don't understand that that is the first step in a rhythm. Tithing is a part of a rhythm. It's kind of like the vest button principle. You know, I've done a lot of weddings, and man, when I dress up sometimes in a tuxedo, that thing's got like 15 buttons on the vest. And I can get all messed up, but I figured out the key. The key is get the first button. <laughs> Just get the first button and then all the other ones line up. Tithing is a vest button principle. Because what you're doing is, first of all, you're saying, if I'm going to give God 10%, I got to know what 100% is. I got to know how much money I have. How many of you know that's step one to a budget? How much money do I have? Well, when I, when I choose to tithe, now I know what I have. And because God's the priority of my life, I'm going to give to God first. But now I'm going to take the 90 and I'm going to follow the same discipline. I'm not just going to spend it and live off of it and charge it and run up debt and then go, I don't know what happened. I don't know why God didn't bless me. No, it's about stewardship. After you've given to God what you owe him, then you go, well, I got to pay the mortgage too. I got to pay for this cell phone plan. I got to make this car payment. And you start being decisive, as decisive with the 90% as you were with the 10 and God, for some of you, God wants to bring you into 
a new rhythm when it comes to your finances. He wants to bring you into a new freedom. No longer shackled by sin, but also no longer shackled by impulse in our spending. <clears throat> you know, the Bible says in Psalm 37, verse 21, the wicked borrow and do not repay. That's harsh criticism. <clears throat> I mean, for someone to be called wicked, that's harsh. That's not the way our world lives, is it? Our culture celebrates debt. We, we live under the false pretense that you're just gonna live in debt, but the Bible says it's wicked to borrow something and not pay it back. Whether it's money on a credit card or a book your friend loaned you four years ago that you said you were gonna read, man, give the book back. Give me my book back, that's wicked. No, I'm kidding, nobody has my books right now. <coughs> but you, you, don't, you don't borrow and not give it back. But he goes on to say, but the righteous give generously. You know why the righteous can give generously? Because they live with margin. This rhythm is not about withholding God's goodness. This rhythm is about positioning you to be a blessing. And when you have margin in your life, the same way that Sabbath gives us rest for our bodies, a budget, financial stewardship gives us space to be powerful and effective in our faith. So I wanna pray for you today. Talked on some very specific things and, <clears throat> and I wanna just invite you to open your heart to the Lord today, to allow the Spirit of God to, to set the tempo of your life in this season. Maybe for you it is that financial peace and, <clears throat> and you hear the Lord just calling you to honor God with the tithe, to put him first. Maybe in this season, I wanna challenge you. If you've never done it before, from March 7th to the 27th, we're gonna be fasting. We're gonna be praying. We're gonna be believing. For some of you, you need to make a decision right now to say, you know what, I'm gonna tithe for the next three weeks. But remember, it's not just about giving God 10%. It's about allowing the Spirit of God to direct your financial plans. You may need to make some adjustments. God can give you wisdom. God wants to set you up for blessing. If you'll open your heart to His leading, put Him first in this new season. For some of you, it's about your daily rhythm. Your days don't go bad. They start bad. You need God to give you wisdom to set a new rhythm to start the morning awake harp and lyre I will awaken the dawn allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you about your your devotions your morning time where is it happening when is it happening when are you listening for the voice of the Spirit of God in your life for some of you it's the weekly rhythms maybe you're even watching online and Listen, I'm, I'm saying these things because we love you. We want you here. You know what the enemy wants to say? The enemy wants to condemn you to say, I can't go back now. I've been gone too long. That's a lie from the pit of hell. We got a seat waiting for you in the house of God. This is the Father's house. And that word we read earlier out of Hebrews 10, 
<clears throat> says, let us consider how we can spur one another on. I'm trying to spur you on toward love and good deeds. If that's you today, you feel that conviction of the Holy Spirit. I gotta, I, I, I've, I've made a habit of forsaking the assembly. God, I need to get back in your house. Make a decision today. Make a decision today to say, God, I'm gonna prioritize your presence. If you can't be here on Sunday, get with God's people. Get with God's people. We got plenty of room on Wednesday night. Get with God's people. Be a part of what he's doing. And I'm gonna tell you today, God's doing what he's doing in the church. Jesus died for the church. He's coming back for his bride, the church. He promised he would build the church. You need to be a part of the church, not a spectator or participant. Father, today by your Holy Spirit, would you speak to our hearts? Lord, we, we, wanna, we wanna get our marching orders from you. We wanna, we wanna hear the, the cadence and the rhythm, <clears throat> when to spread our wings and soar, when to run and not grow weary, when to walk and not faint, God, and when to rest. God, align our lives with the rhythm of your spirit right now. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name.